Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, has always hoped that someday she would head her department. But with Mrs. Emma Finch holding down the job for the past five years, it didn't look like Connie Brooks would ever get a crack at it until last week. It was right before the final exams that Mr. Conklin, our principal, told me Mrs. Finch was not only retiring from the position, but actually leaving the school. When I asked him why, he blushed and replied, because it's best for all concerns. Well, what do you think, Mrs. Davis? Do you suppose I'll get the job? I can't see any reasons why you shouldn't, Connie. Honestly? But can you see any reasons why I should, Mrs. Davis? No, I can't see any of those either. <laughs> it's up to Mr. Conklin to recommend the new department head to the Board of Education, isn't it? Yes, it is. Well, how do you stand with him? How do you mean, Mrs. Davis? Have you been, um, courteous, um, cooperative, uh, obedient, and, uh, um, respectful? Uh, no, uh, no, uh, no. And maybe I better forget the whole thing. <laughs> hey, everyone, this is OTR Rob welcoming you to another edition of Our Miss Brooks. This Our Miss Brooks is from January 23rd, 1949, and the episode is entitled Head of the English Department. Well, Miss Brooks may be or may not be up for the head of the English Department with the retirement of woman who is pregnant. Apparently, you couldn't be pregnant and teaching for whatever reason. I don't know why. Most women work clear up to almost term. But that's now. This is back in 1949. They still didn't know enough about pregnancy to figure it all out. Unfortunately, you know, it's a sad thing that when a teacher gets pregnant or and some school district gets married, they have to quit their job. I think it's a very bad thing. And still, teachers don't get paid what they should get paid, and they should get paid as much as commensurate with everyone else in the population, not less, but more. I mean, can you, I mean, you figure, you know, that teachers barely get more than, than someone who's buses tables. That's kind of a sad thing. Anyway, enjoy this episode of Our Miss Brooks, and I'll be back with my friend Irma. I'm Ollie Soap, your beauty hope, and luster cream shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair bring you Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. <laughs> Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, has always hoped that someday she would head her department. But with Mrs. Emma Finch holding down the job for the past five years, it didn't look like Connie Brooks would ever get a crack at it until last week. It was right before the final exams that Mr. Conklin, our principal, told me Mrs. Finch was not only retiring from the position, but actually leaving the school. When I asked him why, he blushed and replied, because it's best for all concerns. Oddly enough, it was our bashful biology teacher, Mr. Boynton, who finally told me the reason. We were alone in his laboratory at the time, and he said, Miss Brooks, Mrs. Finch is going to have a B-A-B-Y. <laughs> I guess he put it that way so as not to embarrass some young rabbits who were listening. <laughs> anyway, Friday morning at breakfast, I was talking to my landlady, Mrs. Davis, about it. Well, what do you think, Mrs. Davis? Do you suppose I'll get the job? I can't see any reasons why you shouldn't, Connie. Honestly? 
but can you see any reasons why I should, Mrs. Davis? No, I can't see any of those either. <laughs> it's up to Mr. Thompson to recommend the new department head to the Board of Education, Mrs. Davis. Yes, it is. Well, how do you stand with him? How do you mean, Mrs. Davis? Have you been, um, courteous, um, cooperative, uh, obedient, and, uh, um, respectful? Uh, no, uh, no, uh, no. And maybe I better forget the whole thing. <laughs> of course, it's not entirely up to Mr. Conklin's opinion of me personally. My work's got something to do with it, hasn't it? Frankly, Connie, your work should have everything to do with it. That's what I say. Maybe I better forget the whole thing. <laughs> Are there any other English teachers at Madison who have been there as long as you have? Let's see. Yes, Miss Enright's been there about the same length of time, and she's been quite friendly with the Conklins, too. Of course, I have Mr. Conklin's daughter, Harriet, in my class, and we're great friends. Then that wouldn't influence Mr. Conklin any, although Harriet's a pretty good pupil, thank goodness, and her marks have all been exceptionally high. That might count for something with the old... I wonder if he'll make his decision right away. <laughs> he might leave the position open for a while. I wish I knew. But then there's no sense in brooding about it. I'm either to be head of the department or I'm not to be. Oh, thanks for reminding me, Connie. I must get two tickets for Hamlet today. <laughs> I promised my sister Angela I'd take her to see it. Of course, even if I forgot about it, she'd probably never even mention it. She's so absent-minded, poor thing. The older she gets, the more forgetful she is. How old is she now, Mrs. Davis? Two. <laughs> Your sister. Which one? <laughs> Angela, the absent-minded one. Oh, she's in the low 70s. That's pretty good golf for an old lady. <laughs> oh, Angela's not half as bad as my brother Victor. He's so forgetful sometimes. Why, do you know, Connie, he can be talking to you about something and right in the middle of a sentence get off on another topic altogether. Really? Yes, it's quite disconcerting, but I guess it's just something that scrambled boiled a fry, Connie. Well, I suppose you just have to... What? <laughs> dear, how would you like them? I'd like them introduced into the conversation a little earlier. <laughs> but now that you bring it up, Mrs. Davis, I'll take them any way you want yours. Good. Then we'll both have oatmeal. <laughs> That's the only way to eat eggs. Whatever you do, don't miss snake pit. Uh, where's the coffee, Mrs. Davis? Right here, Connie. I'll pour you some. Thanks. You know, it isn't just the extra salary that makes me so anxious to head the English department. It's the additional income. <laughs> How much of a raise will you get, Connie? Oh, I'm not certain of the exact amount, Mrs. Davis, but it's well over $9 a month. Just think... I won't have to put newspapers in my shoes when the soles wear out. <laughs> now I can use magazine paper. <laughs> you mentioned a Miss Enright before, Connie. Is that the rather snooty teacher you told me about? That's her, Mrs. Davis. And if she gets that job as head of the English department, she'll be impossible. Well, she walks around the school now as if she's inspecting the stockyards. <laughs> the way she talks to people. Why, darling, you look positively chic. I mean, just too, too terribly soigné. 
It's sickening. Oh, then, don't eat any more oatmeal, dear. Just finish your coffee. You've been derailed again, Mrs. Davis. Let me help you back on the track. I'm talking about Miss Enright, a rival English teacher. She's got me worried. Oh, don't worry about it, honey. I'm sure her baby will be a fine, healthy citizen. <laughs> she isn't the one who's going to have the baby, Mrs. Davis. Well, that's a shame. I think the mother should always take care of her own baby, no matter what. It's Mrs. Finch who's having the baby. Who? Mrs. Finch. Oh, well, that's a very nice name for a baby. <laughs> now, if you'll excuse me, honey, I'd better clean up the dishes. All right, Mrs. Davis, you clean up the dishes, and I'll clean up the conversation by myself. I'd help you in the kitchen, but I've got to get ready to go to school. Walter Denton's picking me up any minute. Oh, Walter's such a nice boy. It's a pity he's not a more brilliant student. But I think I know what his trouble is, Connie. Lack of concentration. Concentration? Yes. If he would just concentrate on one subject at a time. You see, he's the kind of a boy who... Well, he's the type that... Uh, uh, Connie. Yes? What were we talking about? <laughs> Walter Denton. Oh, he's picking you up this morning, isn't he? What happened to your car, Connie? You just got it out of the repair shop. I know, Mrs. Davis, but I took it out the night of the big freeze. And? It froze. <laughs> I did try to warm it up a little. I poured some boiling water into the radiator, but then the engine made the strangest sound. What kind of a sound, Connie? Well, I may be wrong, Mrs. Davis, but I'd swear it said... Why don't you get yourself a bicycle? <laughs> I'm glad you picked me up a little early this morning, Walter. Today may be a very important day in my life. Well, the importance of today or any day in your life, Miss Brooks, is only exceeded by your importance to your adoring pupils, of which, if I may be so bold... I consider myself one of the most worshipful and reverent. Amen. I <laughs> Thank you, Walter. Uh, there are things about you, Miss Brooks, character traits, I guess you'd call them, which are not to be found in any other teachers I've ever come into contact with. I just know that you are an eminently fair person. I also know that you're kind, gentle, and considerate of those who may not possess a superior mentality, which is obviously your birthright. What else do you know, Walter? That today you're giving us the final exams in English. <laughs> I thought you were a little over-smitten with me this morning. Oh, I'm not trying to influence you to give me a better mark. Oh, no, I'd bend over backwards rather than curry favor. But I've actually studied for this test, Miss Brooks. Even Saturday, when Harriet dragged me to the movies, I took my books right up to the balcony with me. What were you studying, Romeo and Juliet? Ah, you're kidding me, Miss Brooks, but I'm serious. I really crammed in that movie. But how could you read in the dark? Oh, it isn't always dark. And they have a three-minute intermission between pictures. <laughs> well, that's plenty of time. Especially if you were studying in shorthand. Of course, not knowing exactly what the questions are going to be about makes it a little tougher. Naturally. Sort of a strain on a student not to know approximately the nature of the questions he should expect. That's true. And just because a student has been fortunate enough to make a personal contact with a teacher whom he not only admires and respects as a person, but whose integrity and honesty as an instructor he holds in such high esteem, 
There's no reason for him to presume that just because he drives her to school faithfully and promptly, she would relinquish just one tiny iota of that integrity and slip him a little advance information about the test. <laughs> Is it? You're so right, Walter. <laughs> I knew you'd react that way, Miss Brooks, but I, I just wouldn't have felt completely honest with myself if I didn't try to chisel a tip or two. Anyway, now that you've dummied up about the tests, maybe we... Excuse me, Walter. Now that I've what? A dummied up. It's a synonym of clammed up. When I don't want anyone to know something about something I know about, I always clam up. And you're the chowderhead who can do it. <laughs> but, Walter, when I mentioned much earlier in the trip that this was an important day, I wasn't referring to the final exam. You weren't? No, I was thinking of Mrs. Finch. Oh, oh, the head of the English department. The ex-head of the English department, Walter. Mrs. Finch is leaving Madison. Why? Because she's... Uh, well, Mrs. Finch is going to become a mother. Of who? <laughs> now, that's a fair question. Of her son or daughter, as the case may be. I didn't know Mrs. Finch had any son or daughter. Walter, you're not related to Mrs. Davis, are you? <laughs> Oh, no. No, of course not. She's just absent-minded. Look, Walter, what concerns me at the moment is whether or not I have a chance to replace Mrs. Finch as head of the department. A chance? Why, you're a standout, Miss Brooks. You've been teaching at Madison long enough to be the principal. I mean, Mr. Conklin should certainly choose you over anybody else. How about Miss Enright? Oh, gee, I forgot about her. Now, she's even older than you are, isn't she? Oh, in point of service, that is. Oh, I'm glad you tagged that on, Walter. Nobody could be older than me in years. Not this morning, anyway. Why don't you worry about it, Miss Brooks? But why don't you see Mr. Conklin when we get to school and have a little chat with him? You know, turn on the charm, sort of. You mean butter him up? Butter him up? Yes, and don't sound so innocent, Walter. After the job you did on me this morning, you should get a prize from the Dairyman's Association. <laughs> Eve Arden will continue in just a moment. But first, here is Vern Smith. Regardless of age, skin type, or previous beauty care, doctors prove you too may win a lovelier complexion with palm olive soap. But to win this lovelier complexion, you must stop improper cleansing. Instead, use palm olive the way doctors advise. 36 doctors, leading skin specialists, advised using palm olive soap this way for 1,285 women with all types of skin. Young, old, dry, oily, normal. And using palm olive soap alone, nothing but palm olive, two out of three won lovelier complexions. Oily skin looked less oily. Dull, drab skin, wonderfully brighter. Coarse-looking skin appeared finer. Even tiny blemishes, incipient blackheads, disappeared or improved. Now, here's what the doctors advised. Wash your face with palm olive soap three times a day. Massage with palm olive's wonderful beauty lather for 60 seconds each time to get its full beautifying effect. Then rinse. Look for improvement in your complexion within 14 days. For doctors prove this way, using palm olive alone really works. So forget all other beauty care. Get palm olive soap and start today to win a lovelier complexion. For loveliness all over, use big thrifty bath size palm olive in your tub or shower. Well, 
here we are, Miss Brooks. Good old Madison High. You know, every time I look at these hallowed walls, I wish for just one thing. What's that, Walter? I wish I was still home in bed. Especially today with those finals coming up. Gosh, Miss Brooks, isn't there some little suggestions you could make to me so I'd pass the exam? Hmm? Certainly there is, Walter. Answer the questions correctly. Yeah. Well, you better get off here, Miss Brooks, and I'll go park the car. All right, Walter. Thanks for the lift. And good luck today. Oh, thank you, Miss Brooks. And good luck with Mr. Thompson. Well, I'll probably need it. I hope he's in a good mood this morning. Although why this morning could be any Hello, better. Miss Brooks. Oh, it's Harriet Conklin. Good morning, Harriet. I wouldn't have interrupted your soliloquy, but you look sort of worried about something. Worried? Me? Whatever gave you that idea? Your complexion. It's not as ruddy as it usually is. Oh, that's just from the new powder base I'm using. It's called Elephant Wallow Gray. (laughs) Actually, though, I do have something on what's left of my mind, Harriet. It's Mrs. Finch. She's leaving the school. Yes, I know. I heard she was going to have a -A B-A-B-Y. Who told you? Mr. Boynton. That figures. (laughs) But, Harriet, as you must know, you've always been one of my favorite pupils. I'm glad you feel that way, Miss Brooks. You're my very favorite teacher. Thanks. I'm very fond of your mother, too. I know. And she's terribly fond of you, Miss Brooks. I'm glad. Then there's your father. Yes, I know. Well, Harriet, do you think that... I'm not going to... Well, that is... What are you trying to ask me, Miss Brooks? Do you think he's warm enough for buttering this morning? (laughs) At least you think I should have a little talk with him in his office. About what? Well, somebody's got to replace Mrs. Finch as head of the English department, and I think... But of course you'll get it. Is that from the horse's mouth or just rumor? (laughs) I mean, did you happen to overhear anything that... Look, Harriet, I don't want anybody to intercede for me because of any personal relationship we may have built up between us. What I'm trying to say is, well, I wouldn't want any principal's daughter. Not even a clever, bright, pretty, industrious, talented, intelligent one like yourself to become a fifth column for me. Golly, Miss Brooks, nothing I could say would sway Daddy one inch. In fact, Mother and I bend over backwards rather than suggest anything about his duties at school. But I'm so sure you're our next head of the English department that I've even written a little poem about it. Care to hear it? Well, if you don't think it'll put the whammy on me. Uh, jinx anything. (laughs) To the head of the English department about to be, I present this little tribute to you from me. In class, you're good-tempered and don't fume or fret. But when it comes to our homework, you sure make us perspire. <laughs> and in the forthcoming exams, whether I'm first or last, my feelings for you will be the same, especially if I've passed. So, Miss Brooks, all hail to the head of the English department about to be. Well, what do you think of it, Miss Brooks? It won't send Carl Sandberg screaming into the hills, Harry. <laughs> it's a lovely sentiment. Now, before I go into your father's lair, a den, a office, <laughs> you tell me what kind of a mood he's in? Frankly, Miss Brooks, it isn't too good. When the newsboy that delivers our paper came around for the money this morning, Daddy bit his head off. Fine. Then he should be too full to take a bite out of me. <laughs> Mr. Conklin. Oh, it's you, Miss Brooks. And how are you this bright, cheery, radiant day? I'm cold, damp, and depressed. (laughs) Now, what can I do for you that won't take longer than a few minutes? Oh, it isn't what you can do for me, Mr. Conklin. It's what can I do for you. 
Oh, I know. I'll sharpen some pencils for you. Here's one. Uh, Miss Brooks, I don't want you to sharpen anything. Oh, but this one is so blunty. (laughs) It'll just take a minute. There. Isn't that a lovely point? But I Give me your thumb a minute. Uh, Ow! See what I mean? (laughs) Now, I'll just do a few more of them and you'll have enough for the week. Confound it, Miss Brooks. I don't want any more of my pencil sharp. Oh, it's really no trouble at all, Mr. Conklin. This is just one of those days when a person feels privileged to assist his fellow man. A day when a spirit of cooperation seems to beckon like a beacon. (laughs) Or a day when Mrs. Finch is leaving Madison and her position as head of the English department. Mrs. Finch leaving Madison? Yes. (laughs) Yes, Miss Brooke. I think I told you that several days ago. Oh, yes, of course. I've been so busy preparing my final examination papers, it must have slipped my mind. She's going to have a B-A-B-Y, isn't she? Y-E-F. Uh, yes. <laughs> she is going to have a baby. Well, I just know they'll be happy together. Now, <laughs> well, let's see what else I can do to make this office a home away from home for you. I know. I'll just rinse out this pen wiper for you. Uh, that happens to be a blue pocket handkerchief I got for Christmas. <laughs> must have fallen out of my coat. Oh, then I'll tuck it back in for you. May I say you have a lovely eye for color combinations, Mr. Conklin? It goes so well with this pretty purple tie you've got on. But it seems a little loose around your neck. Let me tighten it a bit. There. <laughs> Miss Brooks... There, that's better. Now you're both the same color. <laughs> See, here, Miss Brooks, I don't know what you expect to get. Oh, this. I must clean off that desk of yours, Mr. Conklin. And why in the world does that big open inkwell have to be perched right in the middle of everything? Because I like it that way. Now, listen to me, young man. I'll have things in shape in no time. First, we'll move these papers next to the inkwell, and then... Oh. Now, where is the inkwell perched, Miss Brooks? Oh, don't worry about that, Mr. Conklin. Ink is good for the rug. Where's <laughs> that ashes? Well, anyway, I'll go get a mop uh, and... Sit down, Miss Brooks. Sit down? Yes. As you know, I spent considerable time in the Army as a major. Yes, I know, Mr. Conklin. And it always gave me a great feeling of security to know that somebody like you... Quiet! Yes, sir. Sorry. Eddie. <laughs> Now then, Miss Brooks, from my army experience, it's obvious to me that you are bucking for something. Bucking, Mr. Conklin? It's a colloquialism, Miss Brooks. It means that in order to gain some end of your own, you are acting like an eager beaver. Uh, Want some pencil sharpened? No! I'll tell you the truth, Mr. Conklin. I just wanted to butter you up. Now what? Come in. Morning, Mr. Conklin. Well, well, it's Miss Enron. Oh, and Miss Brooks is here, too. How nice. Darling, you look positively chic. I mean, just too, too terribly soigné. Thanks, loads. (laughs) But what are you doing in school so early, darling? You're usually tearing into your room like a mad thing minutes after the bell is rung. You must have telescopic vision to see me from the bus you're just catching at that time. <laughs> uh, what can I do for you, Miss Enright? Oh, it isn't what you can do for me, Mr. Conklin. It's, it's what, what can, can I, I do for you. you. <laughs> oh, I know. I'll sharpen some pencils for you, Mr. Conklin. Uh, thanks. Just the same, Miss Enright. Or maybe I can straighten out your desk. Oh, 
heavens, what happened to this inkwell? I already straightened out his desk. <laughs> well, don't worry about it, Mr. Cosman. I'm sure you can pick up another rug like that for five or six hundred dollars. Oh, before I forget, I'd like you to have these woolen socks. I knitted them myself. Uh, but, Miss Enright, I It don't... was a labor of love, Mr. Conklin. I worked on these socks just every available moment I wasn't faithfully discharging my duties as an English teacher. They're merely a slight expression of my gratitude for having been granted the privilege of working for such a warm, kindly, and considerate boss as yourself. This kid melted before she spreads it on. <laughs> Thank you for the thought, Miss Enright, but with Mrs. Finch leaving Madison... Oh, and a number of... is she really? Uh, well, this is a big surprise. It must be. You look even more surprised than you did when we heard about it last Tuesday. <laughs> that will do, Miss Brooks. <laughs> Miss Enright, in view of the fact that you are eligible for the position that Mrs. Finch is relinquishing, I feel that I cannot accept this pair of socks. But, Mr. Cochran... Whatever shall I do with him? You can give one to Mrs. Finch's baby. It'll make a nice sleeping bag for him. <laughs> I think you should know, ladies, that my selection will be based largely upon the results your students achieve in their final exams this morning. Therefore, you will not mark your own papers, but bring them into this office immediately after the tests are completed. Are you going to mark them, Mr. Conklin? Certainly not, Miss Brooks. My daughter Harriet is one of the students taking the test. No, no, in order to assure complete impartiality... I've asked someone from another department to correct the papers. Mr. Boynton. Mr. Boynton? Oh, I know that you see each other socially on occasion, but he's the soul of honesty. And I know that he, like myself, would bend over backwards to see that justice is done. Who's teaching everybody to bend over backwards, Arthur Murray? <laughs> well, I don't think this arrangement is completely fair, Mr. Compton. I never see Mr. Boynton. Well, if it'll make you feel any better, Miss Enright, I'm not going to see him again either. Until lunch. If you'll just tell me what you want, Miss Brooks, I'll take your tray. Oh, I'm too nervous to eat anything right now, Mr. Boynton. I'll wait until I find out the result of this morning's exam. The, uh, one you're marking, Mr. Boynton. Oh, uh, well, that's something I'd rather not talk about, Miss Brooks. You see, I've promised Mr. Conklin... Oh, I know you've got to be strictly impartial, Mr. Boynton, but... Couldn't you give me just an inkling of how I'm making out? But I gave my word, Miss Brooks. Just a teensy suggestion of the merest trace of a breath of a hint. But I gave Mr. Conklin my scout's honor. Oh. <laughs> well, then you might as well get yourself something to eat. Oh, very well, Miss Brooks. I hope you swallow a merit badge. <laughs> there you are, dear Mr. Boynton. Oh, hello, Miss Enright. May I share this table with you? The cafeteria is awfully crowded today. Oh, I, I don't see why not, Miss Enright. I do. Uh-oh. Hello, darling. Oh, Mr. Boynton, before I forget, I'd like you to have these woolen socks. I knitted them especially for you. Oh. <laughs> I don't think I should, Miss Enright. You see, I'm still judging your examination papers, but thanks just the same. Now, if you'll tell me what you'd like to eat. Well, uh, let me see. Oh, I see they have turkey today. Would you get me a drumstick, Mr. Boynton? Why don't you get two drumsticks and put the socks on them? <laughs> Miss Brooks, Miss Enright, I've summoned you to my office to tell you that Mr. Boynton has finished grading the examination papers and has reported to me that both of your classes have done equally well. 
Therefore, it will have to be my decision after all. And that decision is, dear Mr. Conklin? I have decided. Yes, dear Mr. Conklin. Uh, <laughs> I have decided that for the coming fiscal year, I shall save the Board of Education exactly $9.85 per month. There will be no head of the English department in this school. Why, darling, what in the world are you doing? Just breaking some of the pencils I sharpened this morning. <laughs> returns in just a moment, but first... Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful luster cream girl. Tonight, show him how much lovelier your hair can look after a luster cream shampoo. Only luster cream brings you K. Dumas' magic formula blend of secret ingredients plus gentle lanolin. Gives loveliness lather even in hardest water. Glamorizes your hair as you wash it. Luster cream, not a soap, not a liquid but a dainty cream shampoo leaves hair fragrantly clean, free of loose dandruff, glistening with sheen, soft, manageable, gives new beauty to all hairdos or permanence. Four-ounce jar, one dollar. Smaller sizes, either tubes or jars. Tonight, try Luster Cream Shampoo and be a... Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful Luster Cream girl. You owe your crowning glory to a luster cream shampoo. And now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks. Well, I was a little depressed about not getting the job as head of the English department, but I perked up the following night when Mr. Boynton came by and took me to the movies. As we got to the theater, he stepped up to the box office. Uh, two tickets, please. Here, Mr. Boynton, let me buy my own ticket. Why, Miss Brooks, I wouldn't think of it. Well, that's very nice. You can pay me for yours when we get inside. <laughs> Thank you, and good night, Diamond Jim Boynton. Next week, tune into another Hour Miss Brooks show, brought to you by Carmelly Soap, Your Beauty Hope, and Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written and directed by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch. Mr. Boynton is played by Jeff Chandler, Mr. Conklin by Gail Gordon. Others in tonight's cast were Jane Morgan, Dick Crenna, Gloria McMillan, and Mary Jane Croft. Here's good shaving news. Three men out of every four can get more comfortable, actually smoother shaves with Palmolive Brushless Shaving Cream. This is not just a claim. Here's the proof. 1,297 men tried the Palmolive brushless way to shave described on the tube. And no matter how they shaved before, three men out of every four got more comfortable, actually smoother shaves. Try Palmolive brushless yourself. See if you don't get more comfortable, actually smoother shaves the proved Palmolive brushless way. Here is an important message that concerns all of us. Last year, 26,000 children were stricken by infantile paralysis. All of us can help fight infantile paralysis by joining the March of Dimes now. Send your dimes and dollars to your local March of Dimes headquarters. Don't put it off. Join the March of Dimes today. For mystery liberally sprinkled with laughs, listen to Mr. and Mrs. North, the exciting, fun-packed adventures of an amateur detective and his beautiful wife. 
Tune in Tuesday evenings over most of these same stations. And be with us again next week at the same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS. getting awards and prizes for outstanding accomplishments. There's the Academy Award for Motion Pictures, the Pulitzer Prize for the Best Plays, and the Carnegie Medal for Heroism. That's the one I should get. (laughs) Why? Because I live with Irma Peterson. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong. Me, Jane Stacy, I think Irma's a pretty nice kid. It's only that in her mind, there's a vacuum that even Hoover couldn't duplicate. Hey, everyone. It's OTR Rob welcoming you to another edition of My Friend Irma. This episode of My Friend Irma comes from February 2nd, 1948. The episode is entitled The Redhead. Jane Stacy's boss gets a new employee in the office, a redheaded woman... And Jane is a little upset with her boss and boyfriend. Find out how this all works out when you listen to this, my friend Irma. Lever Brothers Company, makers of Swan, the soap that gives you a wonderful new kind of suds, presents... Our friend, Swan, with my friend, Irma. Starring Mary Wilson as Irma and Kathy Lewis as Jane. Friendship, friendship, just a perfect friendship when other friendships have been forgot. Theirs will still be hot. My friend Irma. getting awards and prizes for outstanding accomplishments. There's the Academy Award for Motion Pictures, the Pulitzer Prize for the Best Plays, and the Carnegie Medal for Heroism. That's the one I should get. (laughs) Why? Because I live with Irma Peterson. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong. Me, Jane Stacy, I think Irma's a pretty nice kid. It's only that in her mind, there's a vacuum that even Hoover couldn't duplicate. (laughs) For instance, the other night I came home and found Irma sitting in the apartment with the lights off. So I said, honey, why are you sitting in the dark? And Irma said, well, I just made some cookies and the recipe said, when finished, set in a dark place and cool. (laughs) See what I mean? But then Irma is the least of my problems. I, unfortunately, happen to be one of those girls who is in love with the man she works for. Up until now, I felt I had the field pretty well to myself. But yesterday, Richard engaged a new girl in the office. One Gloria Benson. I'm so burned up, I could scream. Oh, Jane. Yeah, honey. When I picked you up for lunch yesterday, who was that new girl in the office? New girl? I hadn't even noticed it. Well, your boss, Richard, seemed very attentive to her. He did. It's funny, it escaped me completely. He's very pretty. 
Really? I didn't even pay any attention to what she looked like. She has lovely red hair. That's Hannah. <laughs> Hannah, because I saw all the dark roots. Oh, Jane, then you are worried. Worried? Oh, honey, don't be ridiculous. I should hate to think I had to worry about some brazen little redhead with false eyelashes and a figure that... She is pretty, isn't she? <laughs> well, just to look at. <laughs> Don't worry, Jane. You've got a great deal more inside of you than she has. Inside of me. <laughs> There's a comforting thought. It may interest you to know, Irma, that very few men go around carrying fluoroscopes. <laughs> hey, but, Jane, I, I'd, I'd hate to think you were jealous. I never get jealous of Al. Oh. Irma, why do you always have to bring his name up when we're talking about people? <laughs> and Irma, please understand, I'm not at all worried about losing Richard. In fact, I have a date with him this evening. He's coming over. Hello? Hello, Jane. This is Richard. Oh, uh, Richard, I was just about to call you. Well, if it's about our date, Jane, I I'm afraid I'll have to disappoint you. I'm staying at the office this evening. Oh, um... You need any help? No, no, Miss Benson, the new girl, will be here. Oh, that's why I'm staying late. I want to show Gloria how we operate. <laughs> you know, there, there, there just isn't time during the day. You understand, don't you? Certainly I do. And goodbye, Dr. Rhinelander. <laughs> oh, Jane, what's wrong? Nothing. Then why are you chewing your hat? Oh, was I? Oh, it's just that he... he... Oh, Irma, how can he do this to me? I hate him. Men are beasts. Yes, isn't it thrilling? <laughs> oh, Irma, please, this is no laughing matter. Richard alone in that office with that redhead. Who knows what can happen? Yes, she's liable to get your books all mixed up. <laughs> oh, don't cry, Jane. Oh, I can't help it. Oh, but don't forget what you once told me. There are plenty of fish in the ocean. I admit they won't take the place of men, but it'll give you a hobby. Oh. <laughs> Just be still. I know what I'll do. I'll quit. That's what I'll do. I'll quit. Well, do you think you should? Certainly. I've been a blind fool. Well, I've worked my last day for Richard Rhinelander. Well, it's your own fault, Jane. You should work nights like the new girl. <laughs> now, Irma, listen. My quitting is a personal matter, and I don't want the neighbors to know all about it. All right. What do you think I am, a blabbermouth? Yes. <laughs> Come in. It's only me, Professor Kropotkin. <laughs> Hello, Janie and Irma, my two little church steeples. One with bats in the belfry. <laughs> Why, Professor? Excuse me, a little joke I picked up from a steeplejack. <laughs> well, girls, what's new? Jane is quitting her job. Irma. Oh, don't worry, Jane. I'm not going to tell him about the redhead who's in the office with Richard tonight. <laughs> Jane, you are really quitting your job. And this redhead... Please. Professor, I'd rather not talk about it. Oh, Jenny, darling, don't let jealousy, that green-eyed monster, get the best of you. That's what ruined my marriage, that green-eyed monster. Jealousy? No, my wife. <laughs> Just a little joke to cheer you up. <laughs> I've been trying to cheer her up, too. I told Jane she can get another fellow, maybe someone like my Al. 
Please, Irma, a remark like that is only good for stopping hiccups. <laughs> Janie, dear. Oh, stop trying to cheer me up, the two of you. I'm a grown woman. I... Why should he treat me like this because of some redhead? What do men find so fascinating about these flaming redheads? I've known plenty, believe me. Their hair may look like it's on fire, but many turn out to be false alarms. <laughs> Come in. Hello, Jane. Hello, Mrs. O'Reilly. Hello, Irma. Hello, Mrs. O'Reilly. Look, to me, she don't say hello. It's an intuition. She knows I hate her. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Janie, here are the socks I promised you I'd knit for Richard. Oh, thanks, Mrs. O'Reilly, but I haven't any need for them now. Irma, you can give them to Al. Oh, Jane, I don't think a girl should give her fellow socks. That, that's very personal. After all, that's where he keeps his feet. <laughs> but, Janie, darling, you wanted them especially for Richard. What happened? She had a fight with him over a redhead. Oh, Irma, be still. Don't take it to heart, Janie. Men are a dime a dozen. Take me. I'm 39. How's that again? I've been a widow for 39 years. <laughs> I'm not much to look at. I'm just an old landlady. And would you believe it, the men still make eyes at me. <laughs> Nowadays, a man will do anything to get a room. <laughs> believe me, Mrs. O'Reilly, when the housing shortage is over, your own cat won't go out with you. I doesn't hear you. Oh, please, please, don't get started again, the two of you. Here's the money for the socks, Mrs. O'Reilly. Thank you, Janie. Come on, Professor, the girls want to be alone. I'm leaving. And Janie, dear, don't cry. He's making you miserable now. But someday you'll be his wife, and then you'll show him what real misery is like. <laughs> Is there anything I can do to cheer you up? No, Irma. I've reached a decision with Richard, and I'm going to go through with it. If he likes Miss Benson, that's entirely up to him. In fact, I'm going to write him a letter of resignation immediately. I want him to get it in the mail the first thing in the morning. Come in. Hello, Jane. Hi, chicken. Hello, Hal, honey. What makes you so happy? Just got the news. They're raising the unemployment check from twenty to twenty-five dollars. <laughs> $25? Yeah. And to think my mother wanted me to go to college. Gee, <laughs> now you'll have real money. Well, ain't just counting on that. You know, little Al always got a hot deal on the fire. This one's absolutely foolproof. Oh, it sounds exciting, Al, honey. What is it? It's a special television set for watching horse races. But, Al, you can do that with any television set. I know, but this one fixes the race. <laughs> hey, Jane, do you think Richard might be interested in investing in the idea? Jane, did you hear me? Al, uh, don't mention his name. You see, Jane and Richard are not F-P-E-E-C... Al, how do you spell speaking? <laughs> hey, Jane, is this on the level? That's right, Al. What is it, his folks? No, redhead. Why, the big stiff. Doing that to you, Jane. Oh, well, what's the difference? Al, if you'll excuse me, I'm going into the bedroom and write my letter of resignation. Poor, frustrated... You see, chicken, how lucky you are with a guy like me. You'll never catch me running around with other dames. I got my philosophy about that. What is it, Al? All dames are the same. To me, they're like pinball machines. No matter how fancy they are, no matter how much they seem to light up and glow in the dark, you'll never get your money out of them. 
Is that the way you feel about me? Oh, no, chicken. With you, it's different. You're already tilted. <laughs> well, I've, I've scribbled a note to Richard. Well, can we hear it, Jane? Uh, after all, Al and I are your best friends. We might be able to help you. Well, that's sweet of you kids. It's, it's wonderful to have friends. Well, here it is. Mr. Richard Rhinelander. Dear Sir. Gee, that's nice and cold. Yeah. <laughs> Dear Sir, I have been in your employ for the past two years and feel I have discharged my duties rather efficiently. It wasn't entirely my fault that our business association grew into a more personal relationship. And certainly nothing I have done could justify your behavior of the past 48 hours. To wit, one redhead. <laughs> By your actions, I have recognized you for what you really are. An unmitigated, uncouth, unprincipled... You left out un-American. <laughs> unscrupulous Lothario. How's that? Oh, good, Jane. And you can tell him for all we care he can go back to Lothario where he came from. <laughs> Chicken, Lothario ain't a country. You're thinking of Rue, a province in France. <laughs> oh, Al, please. I accordingly resign my position. I never... I... I never want to see you again. Sincerely yours, Jane Stacy. Oh, gee, Jane, you must love him. Don't be silly, I hate him. <laughs> Well, may all turn out for the best. You're, you're too nice a thing to worry about that guy. Come on, kids. I'll treat you both to a soda. No, thanks, Al. You, you two run along without me. I'm going to stay here and read the want ads. Here, Irma, you drop the letter in the mailbox. I want Richard to get it the first thing in the morning. All right, Jane. Uh, put on your rubbers, chicken. Is it raining? No, but it might want to take you into a movie and then fire escapes are slippery. <laughs> See you, Jane. The world on a string Sitting off a rainbow Come in Hello, Jane Richard, you... Oh, it's you, Mr. Rhinelander Jane, I knew that you misunderstood me over the phone and Well, that's why I rushed over here I, I couldn't speak in front of Miss Benson No explanations are necessary, Richard If that's what you can... Now, now, please, Jane, let me explain Now, Miss Benson is the niece of a very important client That we're trying to land now, frankly, she bores me to death, but I have to encourage her in her work so she'll tell her uncle. And after that, we'll transfer her to the Boston office. Richard, you mean you... Oh, to... Jane, how could you think that? Now, she's engaged, and you know what you mean to me. And here I've spent most of this afternoon fighting with Father to get you a $10 raise. For me? Oh, Richard. Uh, uh, Richard. Well, what's the matter? Uh, 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 you don't look well. Uh, why, why don't you take tomorrow morning off? I'll get the mail for I you. I never felt better in my life. Jane... What's wrong with you? Oh, uh, uh, nothing. Uh, Richard, uh, what does that sign in front of the post office say? Well, I don't know. Something about, uh, neither rain nor snow nor fire shall prevent the mailman from doing his duty. Oh, for the days of the Pony Express. <laughs> Say, ladies, how would you like to be wrapped in mink from head to toe? Well, you can by winning in the $100,000 Lever Fur Contest. So hurry and enter. Maybe you'll be saying this. Hello. Hello, Grace. Have you heard about me? I won. I won. Hmm? Won what? 
Why, I won a $3,000 mink coat. Imagine. I can buy the coat wherever I want to. Or listen, I can have the money. Why, I can hardly believe it. A mink coat. Me. Yes, ladies, you may be a winner. Here are 1,645 prizes in all. 329 each week. Yes, each week, those are the prizes being awarded. One $3,000 mink coat. Three $1,000 fur coats. Five smart fur jackets worth $500, as well as many other valuable furs and prizes of cash. Here's all you do. In 25 words or less, tell why you like any one of these lever products. Swan soap, Lux Flakes, Lux Toilet Soap, Life Boy, Rinso, or Spry. Enclose a wrapper or box top from one of those six lever products. Enter as often as you wish each week. First contest closes Sunday night, February 8th. Entries received after that date will be entered in the following contest. Important. Be sure to get an entry blank from your dealer. It will give you all the information you need. Here's a hint. Sincerity counts. Use your own words. Print your name and address and the name and address of your dealer. He'll help you. Mail your entries to Lever Fur Contest, Box 1, New York 8, New York. That address again, Lever Fur Contest, Box 1, New York 8, New York. Well, this time, little Jane Stacy really pulled off a beaut. Richard has turned out to be the swellest guy that ever lived. And I, like a fool, had to write him a letter calling him more names than there are in the vocabulary of a sailor's parrot. Oh, if he ever gets that letter. Well, that's the end, that's all. I'm going out of my mind, thinking of ways to get it back before he reads it. Irma. What, Jane? How am I going to keep that letter from Richard? Well, it's simple. What do you mean? Well, why don't you elope with him tonight? Then tomorrow you'll have the right to open his mail. Oh. <laughs> Irma, be sensible. You. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You've given me an idea. I won't open his mail. I'll just get to the office at 7 in the morning and get the letter from the mailing room before it's distributed. Well, how will you get up so early? By going to bed right now. Irma, you put that book down. Turn out the lights. Come on. Oh, but this book is so interesting. It's all about dreams. Dreams? Yes, it explains them. You have no idea what goes on in a person's mind when they're unconscious. (laughs) I have a rough idea. Of course, I don't believe at all. This book says if a girl puts a piece of wedding cake under a pillow and dreams, she'll soon get married. Well, honey, why don't you try it? I have, but I get hungry in the middle of the night and I eat up my future. <laughs> well, come on, sweetie, put the book down. Now, you know you get nightmares when you read in bed. Like the other night, you woke up screaming that you were cold. You wanted someone to stop the horse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, I'll never read Lady Godiva Ga- uh, again. <laughs> now, come on, sweetie, turn out the lights. This is one night that I must not oversleep. All right, Jane, uh, just give me a moment to do my face. Well, let's see. Oh, first the cold cream. You this stuff is so chilly. <laughs> Why don't they make hot cold cream? <laughs> I'll tell them. Please hurry up, honey. Come on. All right. Uh, now cleansing cream. All-night cream. All-purpose cream. Beauty cream. Sour cream. <laughs> Sour cream? Yes, I'm hungry. Oh, come on, honey, come to bed. Well, in a minute, Jane, it takes a while to get all this makeup off. Yeah, I know, honey, but I've seen him get the barnacles off a battleship in less time. (laughs) Well, now I'm finished. Now I just want to fix these curlers in my hair. All right. 
Irma, I'm sure you can do that faster. Every curl doesn't have to spell Al. <laughs> well, I like to keep him on my mind. Well, here goes the light. Good night, Jane. Good night, honey. Do you mind if I open the window? Oh, no. No, leave, leave it closed, Irma. It's raining. But I can't sleep with the window closed. Well, try for my sake, huh? All right. Good night. Good night, honey. Jane. Jane. Gee, she must have been tired of sleep already. Now I can open the window. Oh, Richard. Richard, isn't Niagara Falls beautiful? I can feel the spray in my face. Irma. Irma, the window's open. I'm getting soaked. Oh, I'm sorry, Jane. I-, I didn't think it would come in. I'll close it. Oh, honey, please, will you go to sleep? I must be at the office at 7. All right, Jane. Good night. Good night. Oh, Jane. What now, Irma? My foot itches. <laughs> well, scratch it. My cat is on your side of the bed. <laughs> You're closer. All right. Where? There. Okay? Thank you. Good night, Irma. Good night, Jane. Jane. Oh, Jane. Huh? What is it? Are you awake? No. Oh. Are you sure? Absolutely. But you spoke to me. I talk in my sleep. (laughs) Oh, Irma, darling, what's wrong now? I can't sleep. Well, try counting sheep. All right. One, two, three, five, six, eight, nine, eleven, twelve. What happened to four, seven, and ten? Those are black sheep, and I can't see them in the dark. (laughs) Irma, honestly, if you don't let me sleep, I will scream. Oh, no, you'll wake everybody up. Good night, Irma. Good night, Jane. Oh, no, 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 you don't. Irma, what, honey, Irma? Get off your knees and stop pleading. Oh, now I've really got trouble. She's talking in her sleep. How dare you try to kiss me? I'm engaged to Al, so you had better go. Go. Do you hear me, Van Johnson? (laughs) Oh, Mother. Irma, Irma, honey, get up. Get up. Irma. Huh? Oh, Jen, I had the most terrible nightmare. I didn't know what I was doing. You're telling me. (laughs) You sent Van Johnson away and asked for Al. And to me, that's like sending back steak and begging for horse meat. P.J., why do I get these nightmares? Well, honey, try try sleeping on your back. Makes me snore. Well, try sleeping on your stomach. Oh, I might smother. (laughs) Why don't you try sleepwalking and get out of here? I've got to get up early. Well, Jane, take my advice and go right to sleep. Oh, Mother. Oh, no. No, this is all a dream. Who is it? Charles, it's only me, Professor Kropotkin. Let me in, it's emergency. Oh, uh, well, wait till we slip into robes, Professor. 
right, uh, you can come in now. Girls, I hate to bother you, but maybe you got some pots and pans. You cooking now? Who's cooking? It's raining and the water is coming through the roof. Well, did you tell Mrs. O'Reilly? Don't be silly. She'll charge me for swimming privileges. Oh, professor, please, please ask Mrs. O'Reilly or ask the Martins or ask anybody, but I've got to get some sleep. Good night. All right. All right, Jenny. Don't get excited. I'll tread water tonight. <laughs> Oh, Irma, it's past midnight. I'm just getting panicky. If I'm not in that office by seven, my world is ended. Irma Peterson, if you have any love for me at all, please go to sleep. All right. Gee, I guess I, I shouldn't have read that book about dreams. Oh, please turn out the light and get in bed or I will... Shh, shh. Say we're not in. Okay. We're not in. <laughs> Ticket, it's me, Al. Oh, what is this? Grand Central Station? Wait till we get our robes on, Al. We're not decent. Jane, don't have an inferiority complex. We're just as nice as anyone. <laughs> okay, Al. Come on in. Stay a week or two. Didn't mean to barge in on you. Just left the boys and saw you like... Hey, chicken, this is the first time I ever seen you with all the junk on your face that dames use when they go to bed. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting. If you put a cherry on your nose, you could pass for an ice cream sundae. Look, Al, it's not that I'm an unfriendly person. I like company as much as the next girl, but not at 1.30 in the morning. Get it, Al? What are you so nervous about, Janie? Oh, Al, Richard and I patched up our quarrel, and there happens to be a letter in the mail in which I call in everything in the world, and I must stop that letter. Say, Irma, the kid's got right. Recognize your predicament, Jane. Must stop that letter. Well, how, Al? Only one man who can help it. Who else? Who else but... Hello, Joe. Al, got a problem. Joe, who do you know at the post office? Oh, all them guys whose pictures are on the wall. <laughs> no, no, Joe, we're, we're, we're trying to stop a letter that's been mailed. How do I do it? Uh-huh. 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 Mm-hmm. You do not wish to tamper with the government because most of your family is with the government. Well, where, Joe? On an island in the Pacific? <laughs> what island, Joe? Oh, Alcatraz. <laughs> Understand your point, Joe, and respect your desire not to travel. Good night, Joe. Looks like you're in a tough spot, Janie. Well, look, Al, thanks for trying, but if you'll just let me get some sleep, I'll stop that letter myself in the morning. Okay, Jane. Good night, chicken. Al, I, I know my face is all covered with cold cream, but would you like to just peck me on the cheek? Can't take a chance, chicken. Might slip and bite off your nose. <laughs> Good night and pleasant dreams, Jane. Good night, Al, honey. Jane, let's just sit here, sit here and talk about Al. Oh, Irma, will you turn out the lights? Minus, it's almost two and I should get up at six. How will I get eight hours sleep in four hours? Well, you can drag it out. Sleep slow. Oh. <laughs> Irma, for the last time, if you make one more sound until I tell you, so help me, I don't know what I'll do. You have my promise. Good night. Hmm? Hmm? Oh. Oh, Irma. Irma, the telephone. Yes, it's ringing. Well, answer it. It's on your side of the bed. Oh, all right, all right, I'll get it. Hello? What? Richard? Oh, my goodness, what time is it? 
Irma, it's noon. I know. Why didn't you wake me? You told me not to make a sound until I heard from you. Oh. <laughs> oh, uh, Richard? Richard, there, there's something I must tell you. you. You see the letter, Richard? I mean, I just... I, excuse me a minute, Richard. Oh, Irma, he knows. He knows. Oh, Jane, you're crying. Here, I have some Kleenex in my purse. Oh, Jane, look. What? You're going to hate me. Why? I forgot to mail the letter. <laughs> what? Oh, bless you. Oh, hello, Richard. Oh, and it's nothing, Richard. No, nothing happened. I just overslept. <laughs> Crying? Oh, that's ridiculous. Of course, I think the world of you. I always have thought the world of you. I never thought anything different. I'll be right down, Richard. Oh, Irma, you are a darling Irma. Can you kiss me? And I'll do it again. All right, uh, but don't tell Al. He's so jealous. <laughs> Ladies, make your bath a real pleasure and a beauty bath at the same time with white floating swan soap. You can because Swan's exclusive super creams blend gives you a wonderful new kind of beauty lather for your bath. Rich, creamy lather that cleanses gently, then rinses away so completely your skin is left fresh, smooth, lovely as ever. Yes, it's the perfect bath soap. Super creamed swan soap. <laughs> My friend Irma, presented by Swan, another fine product of Lever Brothers Company, was produced and directed by Cy Howard. Tonight's script was written by Cy Howard and Park Levy. Frank Bingman speaking. You bet there's a reason why Spry is the cake-making wonder. Spry has an amazing cake improver secret. Try the sure spry one bowl way and be certain of lighter, finer, richer cakes every time. No other type of shortening has spry's cake improver secret. For new cake making success, rely on spry. Pure all vegetable spry with cake improver. Rely on spry. F-P-R-Y. Tune in next week one hour earlier and listen to the Lux Radio Theater immediately followed by my friend Irma. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Harbor of radio. <laughs> it's becoming a home for old radio actors. They give them social security and put them away on a certain. If you keep talking, your Hooper rating will go down. <laughs> and Fred Allen's Hooper rating did go down because at this time in January 30th of 1949, Fred Allen lost his lead in, and that was Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, and that's because Edgar Bergen went to CBS in the talent raid that took Jack Benny away and would eventually take Red Skelton away, and he never got out of the hole. This would end up being his last year on radio with his regular program. He would return a year later to the big show, but it was not the same because it really wasn't his program. Although he did about 25 to 40% of the writing on The Big Show. And The Big Show was an attempt to stop Jack Benny, which didn't work. 
and they tried it for two two years. Yeah, two years. They tried it for two years, and they couldn't dent Jack Benny's ratings. And it really galled NBC that they couldn't do anything to stop Jack Benny and his rating success at CBS. But anyway, this is OTR Rob welcoming you to another edition of the Fred Allen Show. This Fred Allen Show is from January 30th, 1949. And Fred's guest on the program is Rudy Valley. And Rudy Valley tried to enlist in, in the Navy in 1917. And he was discharged about six months later because he was actually 15 years of age. He eventually went to college and he went to Yale. I don't know what his major was, but, uh, hold on, yeah, I do. His major was philosophy, of all things. Anyway, when he got out, after the war, and he got out, went into radio, he actually formed a band and went into radio, and that was 1929. He was one of the early adopters of radio, and he was also the first heartthrob for young women in 1929, his band shows would sell out from theater to theater, and he was the first heartthrob among young girls, and Bing Crosby would follow along with people like Perry Como and Frank Sinatra. And Rudy Valley discovered a lot of great people, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy for one, Judy Canova for another, and in 1937, he discovered Bob Hope and got Bob Hope's career rolling. So enjoy this episode of the Ruli Valley Show, and I'll be back next week, if I can ever learn to talk. The Four Dealers of America present the Fred Allen Show. show with Fred's guest, Rudy Valley, Fulton Hoffa, Minerva Pius, Peter Donald, Parker Fenley, the DeMarco sisters, and Al Goodman and his orchestra. And this is Kenny Delmar saying, I've ridden in a new Ford truck, how about you? And the Ford dealer who was showing it off told me a thing or two about these great new trucks. They're all bonus built, built extra strong to last longer. They have powerful new engines, a million-dollar cab that sets a new high in comfort for the driver. And the new line of Ford trucks has 139 different models, including the biggest trucks Ford has ever built. For all the facts on the hottest line of trucks on the road, see your Ford dealer.
Jack? Today he is better known as No Jack Benny. <laughs> you better be careful. Jack will get even with you. Oh, get even with. Benny isn't allowed to mention my name anymore, you know. He has to tell jokes about Sam Spade now. <laughs> But always remember, NBC is still the top network, Portland. That other outfit is the snug harbor of radio. <laughs> it's becoming a home for old radio actors. <laughs> they give them social security and put them away on a stretcher. If you keep talking, your Hooper rating will go down. Yeah, the Hooper. <laughs> Hooper rating. You know what President Truman said after the election. What? President Truman said, I wouldn't leave another poll if I saw it in front of a barbershop. How do they figure out the Hooper rating? Well, nobody really knows, Paul. There's a lot of people in rocking chairs, I understand, who do it. The way Hooper... The way, the way Hooper works is he can look in a pet shop window and tell you how many wags there are in a dog's tail. But enough about the indefinite. I think I'll get a paper for it, then. Let's take a walk down Main Street. That's well idea. Let's get going. What does the paper say? Well, this page, I just fortunately turned to this page, is full of ads. Look. Walter Thornton Models. You know, when I quit radio, I think I'll go back modeling for Walter Thornton. You were a model? Oh, yes. I used to, only from the knees down. <laughs> I, uh, I used to model bulldog shoes. But from, uh, from wearing the bulldog shoes too tight, my left foot got distempered. <laughs> what could I do? I had to go into radio. What's, the, what's this next ad here? Uncle Sam's Umbrellas, born in New York and raised all over. Say, say, here's something. Look at this. American Woman's Voluntary Services awards honors for outstanding achievements by women. Who are some of the outstanding women? Oh, well, I wouldn't know offhand. I tell you what, though. Let's ask some people now as we're walking down Main Street. This man coming along with the burlap muffler. Pardon, uh, pardon me, brother. Crack on, say crack on to name, son. Senator Crack on out here. Oh, Senator. Shoot it to me, son. What's on your mind? I'm busy as a man with one tooth trying to eat an olive. <laughs> you're, you're busy? Yeah, yeah. The government is cutting down expenses. I'm heading the committee for paper conservation. Paper conservation? We tried taking the pages out of old congressional records and making them into Dixie Cups. Dixie Cups? It wouldn't work. Why not? Them records was filled with congressmen's speeches. Why couldn't the congressmen's speeches be made into Dixie Cups? They wouldn't hold water. <laughs> oh, I see. Don't let that get out, son. No. Drew Pearson will go to town. Drew Pearson. I'll keep it under my hat, and I have another hat for Sundays. I'll put it in. Say, what else, uh, what else is keeping you busy, Senator? Well, I'm head of that hay lift. Flying oh, yeah. bales of hay out to them four steers in the blizzard. It's the least Congress can do. You, uh... Son, we owe our success to a steer. You owe your success to a steer? Where would Congress be without the old bull? <laughs> well, tell me, Senator, what are some of women's outstanding achievements? Well, son, in America, the hand that rocked the cradle of liberty was a woman's hand. True. There are many famous women. Yeah? There's Lucy Monroe, the mother of the Monroe Doctrine. <laughs> Martha Washington, the mother of the Nougatine. <laughs> and there's 
is uh, Florence Nightingale, the mother of the Audubon Society. Well, who is the outstanding woman, Senator? In the South, the woman who has done the most for mankind is Chloe. Chloe? Yeah, Chloe went into a swamp and kept her mouth shut for 20 years. <laughs> Son, every woman should follow Chloe's example. Oh, now, wait, wait a minute, Senator. If all the women ran into swamps, there would be no women left in the nation. I know. But a nation with no women, women what would it be? Stagnation. So long. So long. Well, come on, Portland. What are you looking at? The sign of the liquor store. What, uh, what sign? These two men drinking brandy. Brandy? It says, which twin has the pony? <laughs> to be the last of the <laughs> Say, look, look who's coming across the street. Titus Moody. Hi, Mr. Moody. Howdy, bub. <laughs> say, are your eyes bloodshot? No, no. Not, well, they say they look all red. I know. For breakfast, I had a mess of beans. Uh-huh. I was eating the beans with a short knife. A, uh, <laughs> a short knife, eh? Bending over the plate to load up the knife. Yes. My glasses fell off into the ketchup. Oh, then your eyes aren't bloodshot. No, it's ketchup on the glasses. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, look, at one of your eyes has a brown pupil. Oh, that's a bean. It's stuck on a mile. Cast it out. Yes. I... Oh, if it ain't one thing with me, it ain't long before it will be. <laughs> you've, uh, I, I assume that you've got trouble? Yes, uh, I just sent back my mail order catalog. Really? I'm finished doing business through the mail. Why? If I'm getting a rook in, I'm getting my rook in face to face. <laughs> Why are you, are you so bitter about the mail? Well, last spring, Miss Moody, she sent away for a bottle of Scalp King hair tonic and a bottle of Presto lawn stimulator. Uh-huh. Well, the mail order house sent two gallon jugs with no labels on them. She didn't know which jug was the hair tonic and which was the lawn stimulator? That's right. But Miss Booty, she took a guess. Uh-huh. She rubbed one jug on her scalp. Yes. And the other jug she sprayed on the front lawn. What, uh, what happened? Today, Miss Moody has grass sideburns. And? Our whole front lawn is a blonde pompadour. <laughs> well, uh, Titus, what do you think? If you get any dandruff on your lawn, let me know. I've got something that's good for that. <laughs> Titus, what do you think about women's achievements? Why, speaking of females, calls to mind the greatest martyr that the world has ever known. Ah, yes, the greatest martyr. You mean Joan of Arc. Yeah, I mean Elsie the cow. <laughs> Elsie the cow is a martyr? Down through the years, she's not only stood for a lot more than most people, Yeah. but Elsie's had more things pulled on her. <laughs> let's, uh, let's go, Portland. Don't, uh... No, don't lag behind like I that. was just looking in this office. What, uh, what office? It says, Jones Brothers Street Surgeons. We have branches everywhere. I, uh... <laughs> say, I knew a tree surgeon one time. He fell out of a patient and broke his leg. Sad case. Look who's coming out of the little picture theater. Mrs. Nussbaum. Perhaps I need you in a compound plan. Are you speaking French? Who knows what I'm speaking? Well, you're excited. Calm down now. Did something happen in the theater? Well, I'm going inside thinking if it's playing the schnook pit. The schnook pit. It's <laughs> coming on a picture. Let the teeth be the trombonese. What is that? 
the trombone player's granddaughter. Oh. It's a French picture. Oh, a French picture, I see. Up top, while the actors are probably voting in French. Yes. Down below, it's flashing on in English, subtitles. Oh, subtitles. <laughs> it, uh, it sounds confusing. Oh, I'm looking down to see what he's doing in English. Uh-huh. I'm looking up. It's too late. <laughs> Too late? Yes, in France, they are finished doing it. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, tell me, uh, tell me, Mrs. Nussbaum, about women's achievement. Oh, always women are achieving. Achieving, huh? Can you name a few outstanding women? Well, quickly, I'm calling to mind Babette Gittleman. <laughs> well, who is Babette Gittleman? Babette Gittleman is the first woman at Miami to use for eating on the beach a smoked magnifying glass. Good, good. And the Boykowitz. Another famous woman. The first woman in Far Rockaway to switch from seltzer to plain water. <laughs> and Ming Tire Apple Park. Yeah. The first woman in the Bronx eating herring with chopsticks. Well, these are all women of achievement indeed. But what? woman now, in your estimation, Mrs. Nussbaum, has made the greatest achievement. Evelyn with the magic violin. And Evelyn's greatest achievement? For 20 years, she's keeping self to Tommy working. Thank you. <laughs> You know, walking down Main Street at night is like taking a shortcut through a psychopathic war. You haven't found out much about women's achievements. I sure haven't. Well, I'll try one more character for luck. This little man coming along with the green cutaway coat and the high hat. Hey, chum. Here, don't get your hands up. We are here. Hello, hello, Hey, Jacks Cassidy. Uh-huh. Stand back, me boy, and admire a well-dressed man. Ajax, I must say that you are a beau Bramel. Nolan the Undertaker just paid me the finest compliment of the day. Nolan the Undertaker? Nolan says, Cassidy, if you drop dead in front of me funeral parlor, I could lay you in a casket just the way you are. <laughs> you wouldn't have to touch your hand here. Well, that's some, that's some compliment. Yep. He says the embalming fluid would give you some color, but outside of that, I have no suggestion. <laughs> Well, tell me, Ajax, why are you dressed up? Oh, you don't know. I no. was invited to the dedication. What dedication? The mayor dedicated a sewer over in Queens. <laughs> a sewer? Oh, me boy, what a sight it was. The mayor in his full dress suit and his white hip boots. Yes. Standing there in mock up to his fraternity pin. <laughs> <laughs> lifting up the solid gold manhole cover. Yes. And then his honor looked down into the sewer to start the dedication. Yes. The Department of Sanitation band started playing These Foolish Things Remind Me of You. Well, I hate to cut this short, Ajax, but our question tonight is about women and their achievement. Ah, uh, shoot me, boy. Today there's only one great woman. Uh-huh. She appeals to every man. Yes. She makes a man lose his head entirely. Uh-huh. Many a man has fallen for her. She appeals to every man. She makes men lose their heads. Men fall for her. Who is this woman? Miss Rheingold. Good night, you boy. So long, Ajax.
What are you picking up there? It's a theater program. Oh, a theater program? It says Love Life. Oh, Love Life. Say, that's a wonderful show. You know, there's a song in Love Life called Green Up Time. What is it like? Well, all I can say, if Al Goodman and his orchestra played it, and the five DeMarco sisters sang it, Green Up Time would come out something like this. Rudy, 
traveling across the country by bus? Bus travel is wonderful, Fred. You ride in comfort, you see the country, you meet interesting people, and incidentally, you save $27.18. But, Rudy... Frankly, Fred, it's not the money. I ride the bus as a matter of loyalty. Loyalty? Along the road, I eat at Howard Johnson's stand. And <laughs> this is loyalty? Howard Johnson is the ale man. Oh, the table's down at Howard's, to the food we love the well. Please, 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 please. Oh, I'm sorry, Fred. Thinking of Yale, I was carried away. Well, Rudy, how come you're going back to California? You're a big hit at the Latin Quarter. You're still there, aren't you? Yeah, three more days, Fred. Uh-huh. Confidentially, Fred, I'm a teeny weeny bit disappointed in the Latin Quarter. Disappointed? How? Well, I've been at the Latin Quarter three weeks. I've spoken to several people in Latin. Not one of them could answer me. You, uh, you enjoy talking Latin? Occasionally, I like to sit around and chew the fat in Latin. <laughs> chew the fat in Latin. <laughs> well, Rudy, just because nobody in New York speaks Latin, that's no reason for you to rush back to California. But, Fred, I'm anxious to get back to my life of retirement in Hollywood. Rudy, you, Mr. Show Business himself, retired? How do you spend your time? Fred, if everyone lived the life I live, communism wouldn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> really? What is your routine out there in Hollywood? Every morning, promptly at 7 o'clock, I rise from my gold Murphy bed and, and pinch myself to see if I'm awake. You have to pinch yourself to see if you're awake? Yes. With my eyes, it's hard to tell when they're open. <laughs> well, once you see you're awake... I take, a, I take a brisk shower, slip on my play suit and dash out of the yard. Yes. Stepping behind a herd of gazelles... I enter the bank. You have a bank in your yard? The Bank of America built my own branch. Oh. They wanted to be near me. Oh, I see. I used to keep my deposits in their Hollywood branch. Yes. But my money started bulging the end of the bank. Yes. Children riding by on bicycles had to make a wide swerve. Yes. It was getting dangerous. Well, tell me, what happens when you get into your bank? I wet my finger and start counting my money. Well, how long does it take to uh, count your money? Well, if it's a nice day, I don't hurry. Yes. Stop stimulating, you see. Yes. I generally count until it's time for lunch. I see. Then I dry my finger, ring for my houseboy. And he serves lunch? He pulls a branch of an avocado tree in through the window, and I eat my fill. <laughs> you eat lunch in the bank? Oh, yes. It's economical. I save money on napkins. How do you wipe off your mouth? Generally on a $20 bill. Oh. Or if I'm unusually sloppy, I use two tens. Two tens. And, uh... And after lunch? I take all of the money I counted before lunch and stack it. This, uh, this takes all afternoon? Till the sun goes down. As soon as it gets too dark to see my money, I quit. And after a hard day counting and stacking... I rest my finger for an hour, don my shantung, Norfolk jacket, and prepare for the evening. You're on the town, eh? I usually start off by going to Romanoff's. Oh, you eat dinner at Romanoff's? No. Just as I walk in the door, someone starts shouting, Look, there's Rudy Valley. Well, who starts the shouting? I do. <laughs> I, I wave at the diners for an hour or so, then at ten o'clock I go back home, get out my Chippendale rake, and tidy up the lawn. Well, what, uh, what's on the lawn? Money. <laughs> Money? During the day, the interest is piled up and spilled over into the yard. Oh, it's a mess. Oh, I can imagine. After an exhausting day, I'm bushed. 
You're, uh, <laughs> you're ready to retire, Back eh? Back to my gold Murphy bed and my nightly rendezvous with Morpheus. Well, Rudy, this retirement isn't for you. But, Fred, I'm happy. You intend to spend the rest of your life with a wet finger counting your money? <laughs> yes, and I should live so long. <laughs> You're a great entertainer. You've got to come back to show business. Fred, I'll only make more money. Where can I put it? Be reasonable, man. Rudy, the income tax department will take the money off your hands. You can force them to. <laughs> no, Fred, it's too great a chance. With my luck, I'll get a capital gains deal and have to keep it all. Fred, Rudy, you can't do this to America. You're singing better than ever. Why, I heard you at the Latin Quarter. You did that song, uh, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World. You want me to sing? I shall be happy to oblige. Yes, no, I didn't. The most beautiful girl in the world Picks my ties up, eats my candy, drinks my brandy The most beautiful girl in the world The most beautiful face in the world May be simple, but a dimple Makes that simple little face The most beautiful face in the world Social, not a bit Natural kind of wit She'd shine anywhere And she hasn't got platinum hair The most beautiful house in the world Has a chimney And by chimney Needs that chimney All my slippers are next To the ones that belong To the one and only beautiful girl in the world Rudy, Rudy, that was great Thank you, Fred Rudy, listen to me and you'll be bigger than you ever were I'm going to get you into television But television is only here in the East It's spreading, Rudy Television now goes all the way to St. Louis This year they're going to sell over two million television sets. Uh, who makes these television sets? RCA. RCA? Get into television, Rudy. You owe it to your public. And I owe it to myself. Yourself? I own 300 shares of RCA stock. <laughs> then you will go into television. I may have to get another rake for my lawn, but I'll do it. <laughs> Come on, Rudy. You and I are going over to see my television agent. He's just down the block. Let's go. Glass door. Let me see. Sam Prindle, television agent. Sam is busy 24 hours a day. All he does is book Arthur Godfrey. <laughs> Come, on. Come on, let's go in. After you. Hello, Sam. Well, Freddie Allen. Sam, you've got your hat on. Yeah, I just got back from Chicago yesterday. Oh, Chicago. <laughs> I, I, uh, I had to go out and see how the programs were coming through that coaxial cable. Well, uh, how are they coming through? Freddy, we should have never laid that cable underground. Why not? Well, you know on radio how you get static? Yes. In television, we're getting gophers. <laughs> gophers? The channels are full of gophers. Gosh. You get gophers every place but Pittsburgh. No kidding. When you turn on a set in Pittsburgh, soft coal blows into the room. <laughs> oh, trouble, trouble, trouble. Sam, well, Sam, good news. Your troubles are over. Meet Rudy Valley. I hope, Sam. <laughs> What's this? Rudy's a singer. A singer? 
There's too many singers screeching on television already. But, Sam... People looking at television see more tonsils in one week than the Mayo Brothers do in a year. You don't have to worry about my tonsils, Mr. Prindle. I don't sing through my mouth. No, Rudy sings through his nose. Oh, he's one of them sinus sopranos. <laughs> yes, I can sing duets. Two different songs. One out of each nostril. If this guy had two noses, he'd be a quartet. Ordinary singer, Mr. Pendle. I'm a Yale man. Yeah, well, television don't need no locksmith. It needs education. <laughs> Wait a minute, Sam. Rudy here is a great dialectician. A dialectician? Rudy, give him a little Irish, Rudy. All right, Fred. The Germans be going to be that Patricia Tyler, 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 Tyler. There you are, Sam. <laughs> How is that for Irish? Freddy, this guy ain't no Ajax Cassidy. <laughs> was just warming up. Rudy, how about uh, a little scotch? All right, Fred. Well, Sam, you want to be Sam? Freddy, let's step into the closet where this guy can't hear us. Now, Sam. Sam, before you blow what's left of your top, Rudy here? Rudy here is a ventriloquist. A ventriloquist? You've heard of Tommy Riggs and Betty Lou? Listen to this. All right, Rudy. Little Willie from the mirror lit the mercury off. Thinking in his childish ever, it would cure his cold and cough. At the funeral, Willie's mother sadly said to Mrs. Brown, it was a cold, cold day for Willie when the mercury went down. Freddie, you've convinced me. Even though he's been to Yale, this man belongs on television. What did I tell you, Rudy? You're giving me a show of my own, Mr. Pendle? Starting right now, Rudy boy. Here, Fred, you tie these strings to the back of Rudy's pants. Strings? I'll run out and get some balloons. But balloons? What kind of a show is this? I can see it now. As the curtain rises, Freddy is jiggling you up and down with the string. A thousand kids are yelling, waving balloons, and you are singing. It's Howdy Rudy. Shop, here's a fact every Ford owner should know. The average Ford dealer has been in business 16 years. No matter what year Ford you're driving, your Ford dealer knows that model from bumper to bumper, inside and out. With all that know-how and his special methods and special equipment, your Ford dealer can groom your Ford to peak condition and do it fast and reasonably. Next week, our guest will be Bert Law. Thank you and good night. Good night. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Take it or leave it comes later, you know, over NBC. <laughs>